Thank you, worship team. Wow, we've had an amazing morning with the worship. I, uh, it's so nice to be here, and it's amazing to have the worship team. Thank you so much. You guys are absolutely awesome. And uh, you can see and feel and sense the presence and the anointing of God in this place and over this worship team. It's, it's absolutely am- amazing. Um, absolutely incredible. It's good to be home. Good to be here. Um, we miss you guys, and it's nice to be back here and visit you. Thank you. I, uh, thanks. <laughs> I um, read this vision uh, that somebody had a little while ago, and I want to open up with it this morning. And it was a vision of a, a baseball field. And um, this guy had this vision of the presence of God, and he was standing in the middle of the field, and uh, he was out on this baseball field. And the crowd was packed. And they were rejoicing and singing and there was this expectancy in the crowd of excitement and they knew that something big was about to take place. And he was standing in the middle of the field there and as he looked around, he would see that his friends, his teammates were actually in what they call the dugouts, the little hideouts there. They hadn't come onto the field yet. And some of them were drinking coffee and chilling and relaxing and some of them were kind of like messing around with each other. And some of them were in arguments with the opposition. And uh, he stood in the middle of the field. And it was a prophetic dream that God was speaking to him about. And he stood in the middle of the field sensing that God was there with him. That God had put him there in a place, equipped him and was busy equipping him to see God powerfully move through his life. And to see him beat the enemy. And this is how the dream kind of pans out. I'm trying to explain this huge thing in a small story. Um, he said that like he would see the opposition come onto the field. And four or five of them would come onto the field, the opposition, and his teammates weren't there. And he was going to face this battle. And I didn't say this in the first service, but what he also said is that the sun was setting. The sun was setting and he realized there was only a couple of hours left in this game. That was about to take place time was running out and people were messing around sitting back chatting being distracted by the opposition and he said this is what the church looks like he says very few are in the field of play being used and ready for the lord to use them to take ground for god's kingdom and so many people are sitting in the dugouts distracted and sitting back and drinking coffee and are sitting not allowing god to use them and the, the trouble is, is that there are so many Christians nowadays that are being hammered by the devil. Hammered by the devil in such a way that we're walking with such heaviness over our lives. And it breaks my heart to see, and I see it all the time in and around our churches and around wherever we go. Christians are suffering under such bondage. And it's not the way that God wants Christians to be living. And I want to encourage you and steer you this morning in an interesting way and trust that God would bring you alive and continue to switch you on to the spiritual world so that you would run for God because there are people around us, all around us, that are being attacked, hurt by the devil, by his schemes. And so many people are enslaved in sinful patterns, anger, rage, hatred, resentment, unforgiveness, sexual lusts or lusts of the flesh in any kind of way they're being so oppressed by the devil's work 
And God's hurt, heart is aching for his children, hurting for his children, wanting and seeing, wanting to see freedom in our lives. And the Spirit of God wants to set many of us free. I want to share a testimony quickly of a couple that has, has just broken our hearts. And Sam and I went and saw them this last week. His name's Rian, and he is a guy who is 56 years old. He lives quite close to us, and we bring him to church on a number of Sundays, and another couple helps bring him to church on other Sundays. And uh, he is 56 years old, and he is suffering with muscular dystrophy. He was a missionary. You speak to this guy, and you see the power and the love of God within his life. How God used him and how he devoted his life to God and how he was just so in love with the Lord. You can still see the love of God in his life in such an amazing way. And uh, now he's 56 years old. He's in a wheelchair. He's been in a wheelchair for 13 years, but he's had muscular dystrophy for 20-something years. He's got no muscle, no flesh. It's like bone, and he sits there. He, his mind and his heart is sharp, but his body is just completely destroyed by this disease and by these circumstances. And you know what? We look at this and we say, yes, we hate seeing the devil hurt people like this. We hate seeing sickness and disease hurt the body of Christ and the body is just sitting there in pain and walking with weakness over them and just being finished with no energy, with no life in it. And let me encourage you this morning that God has got such freedom for all of us. If you're stuck in sinful patterns and sinful things or you're stuck in um, oppressive patterns of even of deep sorrow that you cannot let go of, we need freedom. We need freedom. God wants us to have freedom so that we'll come alive in Him. So we go and we pray for this guy and we pray against the devil's attack over his life because we see how the devil is really ruining his life. And he gets set free of many pains and problems and aches. And the pain leaves his body and he just rejoices. And while this other guy and myself are praying for him, my wife and another lady are praying for his mother. His mother's 80 years old. And uh, when we got there, we've met her and we know her. When we got there, she kind of started to just share a bit about her past with this couple that was new, that was there with us to pray for them. And she explained that she's always grown up in the church and a Christian, always grown up like that. And you can hear that there's some kind of a, there's Christian roots and some kind of a love for God in, in many ways. But she explains a story and the one guy that we were with, he asked and he says to her, listen, have you received, have you been baptized and have you sort of received the Holy Spirit? And she says, baptism. She says, no, 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 no. Eight years old. And she says, don't go there, please. Don't go there. Uh, uh, uh. I've come from a conservative background. Don't even go there. I don't want to hear about it. And I'm not interested, please. Uh, uh, uh. And she just repeats that and she says, no ways. So we end up praying for Rian for about an hour. And the ladies are praying for her and Ina. And after about an hour to two hours of just prayer and seeing God even set her free of many things, aches and problems and pains and backaches and her bowels don't actually work. She's got no control over them. Varicose veins that are hurting and loads of things wrong with her body. Plenty things. She was so touched by the presence of God that all her pain left. She was so moved by the Spirit of God that at the end of it, or during that prayer, she said, I need to give my heart to the Lord properly. She gave her heart to the Lord at 80 years old properly. Where, you know, yes, amen. She was set free of many spiritual strongholds. And I want to tell you, there are many of us Christians with spiritual strongholds of our life that are sucking us dry and we don't even know it and we don't realize it. And God wants to set us free. 
So she was set free. She, uh, at the end of the, the, the meeting, we kind of like all together, and then we're chatting, and she's sitting on a chair, and she's the most beautiful old lady that I've come across, and the life just shining out of her is so special. And I was kneeling next to her chair because we had been praying for her and like holding her, and I was kneeling next to her, and I said, Auntie Ina, I said, now would be a good time to baptize you. We can do it right here in your bath. We can do it in your home. It'll be beautiful and special. And she said, okay, let's do it. At 80 years old, 80 years old, we took her, we baptized her in her bath. And uh, I'm going to show you some pictures there. We baptized her in her bath right there at home. As she came out of the water, she was, you, could, you could just see new freedom take place over her life. And uh, she actually cried and she wept and she just thanked God and she said, yes, if I knew this was possible and I knew I could have this freedom, I would have done this years ago. And the Lord touched her in a powerful way. At 80 years old, she was switched on for God. She is so switched on for God, it is absolutely amazing to see. We are, our hearts ache, and, and many of us, our hearts ache for when we see children of God and we see people within the church just so hurt by the patterns and the schemes of the devil over our lives. And man, we're just sick and tired of it. And we have a righteous, holy anger towards seeing what the devil is doing over people's lives and how the church is so crippled um, and so hurt. We spoke to another family on Sunday. They came and spoke to us and they said to us, please will we come and pray for them? So we're going this week and pray with us and pray for us. But you know, we see so much hurt out there. This couple loves the Lord so much, but she says that her kids are possessed and they are hurt by the devil so badly. And what happened is basically she adopted a couple of boys um, at a young age. And the boys have, uh, were born normally, absolutely normally, the doctors say. <clears throat> They've been, she adopted them out of, and, and took them under her care because the mother was filled and gave her life into prostitution and drugs and everything and rejected the kids. They've gone through such rejection and the devil has absolutely damaged their lives. And it's so sad, she adopted them. And from the age, she adopted them at the age of three months. Am I right? She adopted them at the age of three months. When she got them, the kids were, the kids had been sold into sexual slavery. They were sold for nights with sick people. And the kids were bruised. The kids were bruised on their backs and their backsides because they had been raped at this young age as babies from the day of birth. And yes, when we hear these stories, we go, yeah, it should build up such a holy anger within us to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy what, God, what, what the devil has been doing over these kids' lives. And we just said we're going to come and pray. And her little boy of, I think you said five or six, her one son, six years old, gets angry at her mother, um, at his mother. And... He shouts out in certain voices. He shouts out and he says, I'll go back down to the core of the earth where I came from. And you can only tell that it's the devil that has absolutely possessed these kids. Here's the sick part. And don't blame God for this. It's not God's fault. Too many Christians say, oh God, why do you allow this? It's not God's fault. Stop questioning the goodness of God. It is the evil of the enemy who's got no remorse and no 
sense of pain, how he damages and hurts people. And the sad part is that not just kids like this, but many of us are being so attacked by the devil. And we're going to go and pray for people like this. And I want to challenge you. The game is on. The game is on. How many of us are going to stand up and come into the middle of the field there and start to win the battle and take on this fight that God has called us into? The time of us sitting around and sitting back and being docile is over. It has to come to an end. We need the church, the body of Christ, to rise up. God has called and anointed us to do the good work of the ministry, not just preachers, but he's called you and I to do that work. And it's exciting to see God set people free and the game is on. And I ask you, are you going to come to the party? Are you going to come and see the Lord work through your life to see people being set free and healed and delivered of these circumstances in their life? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, which we know very well, that our struggle... In many versions it says our fight, our brawl is not against flesh and blood but against what? Rulers, against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The Bible says and in the different translations that the struggle, the fight, the brawl, it's on. And Paul says to the church here for our struggle, whose struggle? Your struggle. My struggle, not God's struggle. He's empowered us. He's breathed out His Spirit as we sang in that song now. I've got the living Spirit within me that comes out to see the lame walk and to see the blind eyes being opened out. And here's the thing is that God says that it's our struggle is against what? Heavenly, the evil in heavenly realms or heavenly places. Your fight is against rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of, the, of evil in the heavenly realms. The spiritual war is on. And the reality is that it's you against the spiritual darkness, spiritual evil, with Christ's power in and over your life. You have been anointed by God and you've got to walk in that anointing. You see, the Bible doesn't call us soldiers for nothing. The Bible doesn't call us soldiers for nothing to read nice stories to our kids and to say to our kids, listen, you can put on the armor of God and put on the helmet and it's a beautiful story for kids. But the reality is God has called you to be a fighter and a warrior for him. God has called you to be a soldier for him, to destroy the works of the enemy, to destroy what Satan has been doing over the church, over the body of Christ and over the lost. And I ask you the question, are you a fighter? Are you fighting? Can you feel the fight and are you aware that there's even a spiritual fight around you that is going on and that God wants you to win? If you're not fighting, if you're not at war raging against the devil's scheme, you may be losing many battles. You may be losing many battles in your life. You see, Christ has won. The victory's been won already. Christ has done it. But there's many battles that are up for us to win. And God has called us to do it. Sometimes we don't like to speak about the devil. We don't like to talk about what the devil is doing. We don't like to speak about and hear about demons and strongholds and casting out of devils. And often we think if we leave them alone and we don't speak about it, we don't entertain it, then we'll be okay and the devil will leave us and he'll leave our lives. And it's so wrong. Imagine standing in a war zone, in a war zone where there's bullets flying and you're in the war and you're a soldier and you just think to yourself if I just if I just turn and I just hide or I leave the enemy and I pretend he's not there you know what he may just leave me alone 
That's not going to happen. The devil's going to come and he's going to destroy you. The, the enemy's going to come and he's going to kill you and destroy you. And I need to encourage you this morning that it's time that the body of Christ, every one of us, wakes up and rises up in, to what God has called us and we fight the war that God has given us and the victory that God has already given us over the war. But we've got to fight these battles. And the Spirit of God is with us. You see, the sad part is that some, many of us are out there being attacked by the enemy. We're being hurt by the devil, but we are opening doors for the devil to come into our lives. How many people are entertaining sin in their lives and entertaining things in their lives and not giving a hoot about it, not really caring and thinking it's okay because it's just the grace of God is, is more than enough to just leave us and to just forgive us every time we do it. Listen to this quote from Linda Evans. Today many Christians are blind to the truth about the dangers of darkness and they go about entertaining the demonic. It's a strong quote, but it's so true. There's so many doctrines of demons out there that say that you can live in a homosexual relationship and you know what, God is okay with it. There's Christian churches that are okay with that, with gay pastors and so on. There's people that are living with girlfriends and boyfriends, you're not married, some young and some old even, in their 70s, 80s, thinking that it's okay, that it's okay, that God accepts me and it's... it's the devil is wreaking havoc in your life. You've got to stand up and get rid of those things. Break those bondages over your lives. The Bible says in James chapter 4 verse 8 that submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves to God first. Then the Bible speaks about resisting the devil. And resisting the devil means to resist means to oppose it means to fight against someone or something that is attacking you. How many of us are daily opposing, resisting the devil, where you are fighting against what the devil is doing over your life? Depression, fear, anxiety, bitterness, anger, all those things are even strongholds of the devil that need to be broken off our lives and he's enslaving and he's holding many of us captive to his principles, to his, his demonic strongholds, his spirits that are over our lives. And God says, resist him. You resist him. Put up a fight. We've got to. And I'm just, in my own life, I'm tired of seeing so many of us, including in my own life, seeing patterns of hurt and pain. Seeing people struggling with things and just coping with it, surviving. You know the church is in surviving mode and not, th and, and not thriving, and that's wrong. We're not meant to be just surviving. We're meant to be thriving. Thriving. But the Spirit of God has bring has got to bring freedom upon our lives and we've got to resist the enemy and fight against his tactics. I ask you, have you ever been in a fight before? You don't have to put up your hands because we'll know who the dodgy guys are and, and women. I'm not talking about a domestic at home with your wife. If you've been in a fight before with somebody you, and you're in this fierce fight, I've never been in a fight myself, but your adrenaline rushes and your passion and your heartbeat starts to pound and your, your emotions run high and your soul is triggered by certain things and there's anger and rage. And the reality is when we're fighting in this spiritual war, how can we be fighting in a spiritual war where our emotions, our souls are so disconnected and we're so docile and flat and we're sitting there going, yeah, no, we're in a spiritual war. Man, it can't happen. There are times when I speak out against the devil, when I... Fight in spiritual warfare daily. 
over people's lives and over the church and over us. And I say, God, we stand against the devil and we rebuke his schemes that is causing the church to be lukewarm and, and cold and suffering with so much pain and struggle. And we stand up against them. And we've got to have the spiritual fight that comes within us. And I'm asking you, are you in the fight? Are you alive? Are you awake to what's going on? The Holy Spirit is calling us and He's leading us as the body of Christ into a direction that we can shine bright for God. The theme is switched on and the Holy Spirit is doing something within us to bring us alive in Christ and to switch us on spiritually. And then He's steering us to minister and to touch the people in the world around us. But He's also calling His church into spiritual warfare. He's calling his church into spiritual warfare where every single person will stand up as a soldier of Christ and will see strongholds over our own lives and over people around us being broken and people being set free and healed and restored and delivered and the blind eyes being opened. And he's calling us into that. The sad part is, is that many people don't like that and there's this religious spirit over our eyes or over our minds and we won't turn towards where God is leading us. See, there's a principle in the Bible that speaks in the whole Old Testament and New Testament about being stiff-necked. And it's quite strong. And, and God often says to his people in right through the Old Testament to the New, you stiff-necked people. And it was a farmer's expression of when he was riding or driving, whatever you do, oxen, his cart with oxen. And his oxen were plowing ahead of him. And as they were doing that, his oxen were pulling. And he would want them to change direction. So he would pull hard on the reins or whatever you call them. Pull hard to adjust them and to steer them in the direction that he wants them to go. And they wouldn't turn. Often if they wouldn't turn because they wouldn't allow their heads to be pulled by the rein. They would just carry on going straight. And he called them their stiff-necked oxen. And so God speaks to many of the people, the Israelites going in, in the Old Testament. And he speaks to the church even in Acts chapter 7 verse 51. Stephen says to the church here in Acts, and he says, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. Speaking of Jesus. And this was Stephen's challenge to many of the religious people, the Christians around, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Christians around, the godly people around. And he says, come on, you stiff-necked people. You see, we don't want to resist the Holy Spirit in our lives. We cannot afford to resist the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need Him more in our lives than ever before. And the Holy Spirit has come to anoint every single one of us so that we would walk in a life that is filled with power and God's presence in us, but yet the devil is keeping many of us blinded in certain ways. The Bible speaks about an anointing that is over your life, that there's a permanent anointing that resides upon us. For many of us, we may not be walking in that anointing, but we've also got to be crying out, God, for a greater anointing. Lord, get, get hungry, desperate for a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives so that like Peter and Paul, wherever they went, even when their shadows would go over people, people would be healed and set free. And that is available. It's a promise and it's an avail available for you and I to have an anointing of our lives that people will meet Jesus everywhere we go.
come on, how desperate, how hungry are we for God's presence and for His anointing to come over our lives? I ask you, and I call you again, come to the game. Come to the middle of the stadium to fight the battle, to touch the hearts of the unsaved. Come to the middle of the stadium and be ready for God to use you and I so that we would be switched on spiritually and we'll touch people for Him. I often think of the stadium as the gathering of believers. In this vision, the person mentioned that at the gathering of all the believers there in the stadium, the crowds of people is like the crowds that it speaks about in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, saying that we have a great cloud of witnesses, speaking about a numerous amount of people of witnesses, which means martyrs, um, often it's translated as martyrs. The Abrahams, the Isaacs, the Jacobs, the men of the old faith that have been faithful to God. We have them as a witness that are around us, surrounding us in a sense. The angels of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus himself that are looking upon you and I saying, come on, fight the fight. Get up and rise up into what God is calling you and fight the fight. And we have this encouragement. But I often see the stadium as a church gathering. And we've got to look at our church gatherings, Sundays like this, and here you are today. Thank God that you're here. But we've got to look at our church gatherings on Sundays, our local gatherings together and say, these are appointments with God. We've got to take them seriously and trust that when we come to church like this, that the anointing of God would be so in this place and over our lives that we'd receive it in our lives, that we would walk out this place differently. The sad part is, is that in, even when I see people in our church there in Hearties, there are a number of people that come to, or don't come to church, or come very irregularly because they say, you know what, my family's coming over for lunch and I've got to prepare a meal for them, so I'm not going to make it. Or my family's over here from, from Australia or New Zealand and they're staying with us for the weekend, so I just can't come to church this weekend. Or we're going to go and do something else. And let me tell you, it's time that we take a stand for the meetings of God, for everything, spiritual disciplines, that when it comes to our walk with God, that we don't give in. We take a stand for our families. We take a stand for our loved ones around us. And we say, you know what? I go to church every Sunday. I go to my life group. I worship God and I read his word and I spend time in his presence every day because I'm serious about what God is doing in my life. It's time I take, we stand, take a stand like that because when we do that, the devil will flee. He will tremble and he will run. And local gatherings like this is a place with the anointing of God. And we could just sense it even this morning in both the services. The anointing of God is here over this place. But there's a huge difference. Some have got a hunger and an expectation. Some are hungry and desperate for the move of God. And it makes me think of the passage of where the, the woman in, I think it's, it's somewhere in, I, I keep getting it wrong. I think it might be Matthew 15 or something but where the woman had the issue of bleeding for her, most of her life, for many years. I think the Bible says for 12 years, and there was another one as well for many years. And this lady saw Jesus walking in the crowd. And she just thought to herself, man, if I can just get to Jesus, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. And this was her heart, her attitude. And so she gets up close enough and she grabs hold of Jesus' cloak. And what happens is, the Bible says that Jesus felt virtue or power, the anointing flow from him. 
he could feel it being released out of him into someone who grabbed hold of him. And he stopped and he says to his disciples, who touched me? And the Bible says that his disciples says, what do you mean who touched you? The crowds are pressing up against you. The crowds are pressing against you. There's many people touching you. Who do you mean who's touching you? You see the difference was there was someone drawing on God's anointing there. There was a person there that wasn't just touching him and being around his work and around the body of Christ who was hearing about Jesus. And there was someone who was eager for a touch of the Holy Spirit, eager for a touch from Jesus, to be touched by his anointing. That's the difference. There's many people that go to church nowadays around the world. They come into church and they sit down and they sit with their arms crossed and folded through worship and whatever else. And they sit there and they say, oh, if God is real, then let him show himself to me. You know, if God is real, then God, you know, speak to me or do this to me. And you sit, people can sit there with hard hearts. Often those people who resist the work of the Holy Spirit who sit there and don't draw and hunger after the anointing of God don't get touched. That's the reality. Many people who resist the Holy Spirit, who resist the anointing of the presence of God, who resist healing and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, who mock them, who disregard them, they don't receive them. They don't receive that anointing over their lives like other people will do who hunger for them and who seek God for them. And I ask you and I hope that I can stir a greater hunger, however the hunger and desperation is in your life, a greater hunger and a greater desperation for the presence of God in your life on a daily basis, saying, Lord, anoint me, fill me with your Holy Spirit that I would walk in your presence daily. Ephesians 5 verse 13 to 20 says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And that is what is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. A prayer from Paul and a message to the church there. He says, Wake up, sleeper. Spiritually, wake up and arise from the dead. There are many spiritually asleep. Not open to what God is doing. And God is saying to us, Arise up from the dead and then Christ will shine on you. And God's presence is drawing us into that kind of a relationship with Him. The next verse says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. A Sunday service like this, I find them amazing and my heart has changed over the last few years more and more and more that when I come to church, I get super excited before I come to church because I go, Lord, woo, I can't wait for this. I can't wait to worship you with all of my heart to see and feel and sense your Spirit move in our lives and here in this place. That hunger, that desperation needs to be there within all of us every day of our life when we meet with God or when we have appointments with God. And so we come together. The Bible says we should come together in times like this, in gatherings like this, and encourage each other. And I don't know how much it happens in each church, but how many of us rock up on a Sunday and start speaking psalms and prayers into each other's lives? Start speaking to each other and encourage each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's missing. 
people are scared. We're often like scared and embarrassed to do that because, because it's not there. We feel like it's going to be awkward or weird if we start doing that. When I see my friend and say, hey man, I just want to you know, say how's it and I'm glad you're here today. And I just want to say God says this of you and he loves you. And may you experience his presence today. And you know, God says and you speak word into each other's lives. That should be normal. It should be normal over us. And I hope and pray that we'll be stretched like that. Another scripture about corporate worship and God's presence upon our lives is Hebrews 10 verse 24. And it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. In other versions, the Bible says, use the word provoke. Let us consider how we may not spur, but provoke one another toward love and good deeds. You know what provoke means? It means aggravate or irritate or stir. So that's what I hope I'm, I'm doing this morning and that we should do to each other I hope and pray that we may irritate each other in a good way, aggravate each other onto works, good works, and toward love for each other, for the lost, and for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are called to irritate each other a little bit, in a sense, until we rise up and wake from the dead, as Paul says to the church in Ephesians. Rise up from the dead. Rise out of the spiritual sleep and wake up. The church needs to be switched on to its body switched on to this local gathering and trust the Lord for his spirit to move strongly and powerfully over our lives. And my heart is to say, Lord, there are too many of us. And the Lord's heart is the same. There are too many of us people sitting here today, struggling, crying out, saying, I can't break this. I can't get through this. It's been a pattern of my life for years. This depression, this addiction, this sorrow, this pain, the sin, I can't break through. We hear of stories of people in their 70s or late 60s still hooked onto pornography. Still hooked onto pornography. Listen, there are many battles in our lives you cannot win without being delivered from God's presence. And God needs to set us free. And many of us need to stand and open up our hearts to the Lord and say, Lord, set me free. The devil is destroying my life in many ways and I can't get this freedom and I need your spirit to set me free. As I closed the service, in the first service, a lady ran forward while I was doing the altar call, ran forward, interrupted me and said, please can I have the mic? And I thought, okay, and I gave her the mic and she said to me, or she said to everybody, she just said, I was, and she's probably in her 40s and she said, burst out in, in tears and you could see that she was not holding back and she said I was sexually abused my whole life and, I've, and I struggle and I can't get rid of the sexual addictions I have I need help I need help and she said the word that's being preached today is from God's heart for us we need help we need to cry out for God's freedom over our lives we need to be set free and she literally was open and transparent in front of the whole church but the spirit of God was doing something special over her life let's pray this morning Let's give our hearts completely to the Lord and surrender to Him. Father, we thank You for Your mighty work of Your presence, Lord God. Jesus, we thank You for Your heart and Your Spirit upon our lives. Father, we come and we stand Your Lord God, knowing that many of us have got bondages, yokes upon our lives, Lord God, that have not been broken. That, Lord God, we are carrying weight and we are carrying 
patterns or sinful desires or patterns around, Lord God, struggles over our lives and we can't break free. And this morning, God, we hear your word and we say, Lord, set me free. Set me free in Jesus' name we pray. Father, we think of every person here that may be struggling with certain bondage and yoke over their lives. We thank you, Lord God, that where your anointing is, yokes are broken. We thank you, Lord God, that you are our healer. You are our freedom. Jesus, you are our deliverer. And right now, Jesus, we ask that your spirit would come in and work in our hearts. Father, I pray for your people, your church around here, but around the world as well, that Lord God, we would stop being ashamed of being transparent and saying, I need help. Where anger has riddled us, where bitterness has riddled us, where sinful patterns have riddled us and we can't break free. Father, I pray that every heart would be stirred to seek freedom, to seek prayer and counsel, Lord God. 